Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We're in the middle of this series called Me, Myself, and Mind. Because COVID is real. Anybody COVID tired? You know what I'm saying? And like last weekend, we just talked about just the emotional impact that this whole global pandemic has had. And I don't know if you saw in the news this week, but three students in Stillwater at Oklahoma State have committed suicide. And they believe COVID has played a significant role in that. And so we felt like as a church, we want to talk about that. And one of the things that we will do from time to time is we will bring experts in. People that have initials behind their names, if you will. And so... I have had a long-standing relationship with the folks at Christian Family Institute. They're a group of Christian counselors right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma that we're blessed with, and I've known them for over 24 years. And uh, so we just wanted to take some time this morning to just have a conversation, let you ask the questions. And so we're going to, Pastor Matt's going to give you some instructions in a second, how you can engage in the conversation. Before we do that, I want to welcome a guy that, gosh, six, seven years has just been a friend of mine. He is a licensed family therapist, focuses on marriages and kids and so on and so forth. Would you guys do me a huge Hillspring favor and welcome my friend Chris Giles to the stage? <laughs> ask anything you want to. We're going to talk a lot about just the impact of COVID and mental health, but you can ask your own specific question. We won't get to them all, I promise, but we have, they kind of populate up here and Pastor Matt can ask those. And let me, let me help you real Let's quick. Let's real quick let me, do let me some help of you real that. Quick. Let Let's me just, do some answers um, real so fast. Yeah. Let me hit you with the ones that always come in. Moo, my little pet pig, is doing great. She's little? incredible. She ain't little, but neither am I. Um, she takes after her daddy. Um, also, my wrestling uh, Mount Rushmore, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, Undertaker, if you need to know about that. And, and you still think it's real, right? It is incredibly okay. real. In fact, we have two pro wrestlers in here today, but oh, we'll just go that's there another right thing. now. So, yeah, they're incredible. They could Are we them. having a wrestling Q&A some Sunday? Is I, that going to go down? The Lord, if he would give that to me, I would be so excited about that. By the way, the pro wrestlers in here, they could beat up Neil. I just want you to know that. So Anybody can beat up Neil. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. So. Can I get a big boo for Neil? Uh. There you go. So, Chris, we're going to start with Neil. No, I'm just yeah, we're going to start with depression. So, so I know it's kind of funny to text Matt questions about, hey, your flies unzipped and all that kind of stuff. But what that does is that fills up our queue. And <laughs> that fills up our queue. And so it makes his job a little bit harder. So afterwards, you can text Matt anything that you want to. But if it's a question pertaining to mental health, COVID, stress, raising kids, and so on and so forth, that's what we want to jump into. Chris, as those questions are starting to populate, I want to... You know, COVID has created a lot of unique challenges from how we go to school, how we communicate, how we live in community. Even, you see this even in sports life. We had some of our sports teams here in our own local community that had to COVID, so you can't practice and so on and so forth. So it kind of builds frustration. Um, there is a room full of grieving, hurting Sooner fans that COVID's kind of impacted them. So if you could just take a minute and kind of help them through what it's like to lose well, as I, as I said first, uh, first service this morning, coming from a Razorback fan, lifelong Razorback fan, you may just need to get used to the idea of wait till next year. There's always a magic recruit. I mean, they've been saying in. that in the playoffs for years. But yeah, that's, yeah. It, next year. Those. Next year. So, hey, let's jump right in. I know you got some questions coming in, and um, this has been hard. A conversation I had with Chris, but also with uh, one of the counselors at Christian Family Institute, a guy named Bill Berman. Bill's been a friend of mine for a long, long time made this statement several months ago, and Chris confirmed this is still what's going on on top of the, the existing client load. 
you guys are taking in 100 new clients a month, and it's, it's COVID-related. It's the stress, my life's out of rhythm, there's worry, anxiety. How do you just deal with fear? Because that has been a part of its equation. Maybe some not now, but everybody in here in March and April and May when we didn't know how this thing was going to, but then the frustration of, of things being canceled. I mean, I think about college freshmen and just how their first year of school, how do you deal? Just kind of, let's take broad strokes. How do you deal with all those emotions and the stress that goes along with COVID? Yeah, it's a really good question because we're all in such a strange place, right? 2020 is the strangest year we've ever seen, right? So, so first, let me say this, and you and I talked about this, Brent, that we're going to give some answers up here, but please know that these are general answers. Like the place you are right now is complicated, like the rest of us. It's complicated, and so an easy answer, no several silver bullets uh, going to tackle this complication. But hopefully we can give you some places to start where you can go and do some research, you can call someone, you can talk to someone, and move from, from, from these answers that we may have and today. And you're going to hear this a lot, but there is something to be said, and we preach a lot, there's something to be said about healthy life schedule, right. healthy rhythm, read your Bible, right. pray, live life in community. That's why those are key priorities for who we are as a church. Not because we're giving Sunday school answers. It really does make your life better. And so I would, I would think just to start the conversation, there's something to be said about self-care and maintaining. Absolutely. So, so when we've, we have seen over 100 new clients or new families touched every month at, at Christian Family Institute. I mean, we're seeing just floods of people coming in. So, and and the, the folks who have done a really good job of good self-care trying out some new things as a family during this time and getting in community however that looks are the ones who've done the best um, as far as their just their mental space goes pastor matt i see some questions populating up here let's just kind of jump right in and, and do our best to get as many as we can here's the first one i'm overwhelmed with everything in my life i feel stuck how do i cope with this okay First, I want whoever that is, I want you to know, it could, I could point out here and, and, and find, there you go, there, th- there's who asked that question, right there. We are overwhelmed. Yeah. In some way, we are all feeling overwhelmed, right? Maybe it's because of work, maybe it's because of family, maybe it's because of school. Our routines are thrown off, right? And so you're not alone, so my first thing would be is, is Get with people. Talk to people. Are you, are you feeling the way I'm feeling? And you're going to get that, that we're, we're feeling this with you. I want to throw a word out, margin. We try to talk a lot about, mar- I mean, like, it's just too much. Even in, I'll be honest with you, when the quarantine happened, I was scared out of my wits. Like, I would go to the grocery store and come home, feel like I need to take a shower, wash it all off, right? Right. But the plus side of that, the world stopped. And we, so you're dealing with pandemic, but also it was kind of nice to not have to look at the calendar and look at what five things does tomorrow have. And I think we can learn some principles from that about the importance of margin in our life. We we talk a lot about it. Just because there's a lot of things I can do doesn't mean those are things I should do. And so that kind of helps with that overwhelming is having margin. But here's the other pressure that goes along with that. It's hard to say no, isn't it? Coach us a little bit on margin how to say no, how to set those boundaries. Yeah, we talked a lot um, early, especially early on in, in COVID, well, probably midway, about how, how cool it was that we had almost permission 
yeah. to just relax. And, and hopefully some of you were able to do that, right? You could go and, and you didn't have three practices after every, every day that you got off work. You didn't have four practices to go to and, and, and this meeting to go to and that meeting to go to. You got a little bit of sense of, of relaxation. We hope that we can take that piece of this into, into our new life, right? We hope that we can say, I don't have to say yes to everything. I, my kid doesn't have to be in every single activity. I don't have to be in every single committee. I don't know if you guys do committees here, but wow. If you don't do committees, that's great. I don't have to be part of every single committee at church or, or at school or whatever. I can say no and let somebody else step in there, and, and, and that's a really freeing um, situation. Great resource that we kind of empower you that, and I've talked a lot about it, by a book by Henry Cloud, and there's a lot of other study things, and he's written it for marriage as well. But it's a book called Boundaries. Yep. And this goes back to this idea of self-care, which really, honestly, is spiritual care. Next Sunday, when we, we come back, we're going to talk about first things first. And really how I set the tone of my day that dictates the rest of the day. Am I doing first things first? Am I starting in the Word? Am I starting with just communicating with God? And the problem is life's pulling on me. The alarm clock's pulling on me. Stress is pulling on me. And just making sure you set those big chunks of your priorities first and then let the rest of the pieces fall in place. Yeah, yeah, we've got these expectations that it seems like have been on us for so long. Again, some of them kind of fell by the wayside during this time, but we've got a lot of expectations on us. And one um, example from that book that Pastor Brent just mentioned is the idea in self-care, in being selfish, not self-centered, but in being selfish, is that, you know, if you're on an airplane and the, the flight attendant says if the if the cabin depressurizes, there's going to be a mask that falls out of the ceiling. If you're sitting next to a child or an incapacitated adult, whose mask do you put on first? You put your own mask on first, and that's that first things first, right? You've got to get yourself in a place where then you can help when needed, right? But you have to be healthy. You have to take care of yourself. If you guys are with me, say amen. Well, let's go to the question, Matt. How do I know if you need to seek counseling versus just having a down day, week, etc.? Well, that's a really good question. The first thing that I would, I would say to do is be in community. Again, we're, we're going to say a few things over and over today, right? We're going to say self-care, we're going to say relationships, we're going to say community. Be in community because if you find yourself in a, having a bad day and you talk to somebody and you feel a little bit better, Okay, great. That's we're kind of here. But if but if something's going on for weeks, or a month, or or more, and not only that, it's intense and it's affecting how you live. That's a good way to know if if you need to be in 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 with a professional counselor. So even here in our office, bad days are okay. Everybody's right. gonna have a bad day. Bad seasons. Absolutely. We have to talk about. That's why I need somebody in my life that knows me well enough to know the look on my face. Yes. Somebody's close enough to me in my life that they can come up and say, man, I don't want to put my nose in your business, but it just seems like you're struggling a little bit. How can I help? That, but you have to have a relationship to have that. You have to have a, somebody that I can trust, that I can open up and, and talk with, and that there's, I'm aware, but they're aware of what's going on in my life. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And I also, just with that, like we talk about this all the time, we don't do small groups to busy up your calendar. 
Like, that's not it at all. Like, if you think about God himself, God's community in himself, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all one. They're a community, and they need each other. Right here, we're community. We need each other, created in the image of God. That's why we do our small groups. That's why you're connected. That's why we want you to be connected, not to busy your life, but to help bring healing into your life. Yeah. Let's keep going. Um, how can I help when my child is so sad and depressed but can't even understand why? They can't understand why. The child can't understand why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids aren't usually going to be able to understand why. The part of the brain that there's part of the brain uh, that that tells us what we're thinking and why we're thinking it, and it hasn't developed in kids yet. Okay, so if I ask an adult, "Hey, what were you thinking when you did that?" You can probably give me a pretty good explanation of what you were thinking. When you ask a kid, "Why? What were you thinking when you did that?" What are you going to get? I don't know. They literally don't know. <laughs> they can't think about thinking. It's a part of the brain that develops later on in life. And so what we want to do as parents, our goal, okay, children have this, uh, well, we all do, an innate drive to when we feel threatened, we go to a safe space, okay? So kids go to their what we call attachment figure. It's a drive. It's an innate drive. When I feel threatened, I'm going to go to this safe person, my attachment figure. And it's our job as parents to be that attachment figure, that safe calming, sensitive place. So if my child is depressed I, or, or sad or anxious or whatever, my first job is not to fix it. Okay? If a baby's crying out of hunger, you, some may think our first job is to put a bottle in their mouth. It is not. Our first job is to pick baby up and cradle baby, then we put the bottle in the mouth. Same with any relationship we're in. Our first job is not to fix what they're experiencing. Our first job is to connect with them on an on a emotional level, okay? So if my child is hurting, I don't jump into fixing. I jump into tell me more about it. What's going on? I love you, right? So my safe place is the Wendy's drive through with the cheese fine. chicken nugget. That's fine. I mean, if you know the guy, if you, if you know the person working there, too, it makes yeah. it even better. Uh, yeah, we, we're first name basis at this point. Um, anyways. Um, I don't know why I do that. Uh, you always have a way of turning serious conversations into a joke. I was I'm weeping. Broken. I'm broken. I was weeping as he was talking, and then you talk about Wendy's, and now right. I'm hungry. I just have right. bad personality. Right. So. Um, so here's the deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's just get back in track. Um, I deal, I struggle with anger in my life. Are there healthy ways to respond to anger? Short answer. Yes. Here's, here's the deal about anger. Anger comes from somewhere. So I, I tell people all the time that anger is secondary to something else. Okay. We're never just angry. Now we may only, we may only identify with anger. Mm. But that just means we need to do a little more work, okay? If I'm angry, I was something else first, all right? Think of some funny examples. If I walk out into, into the hallway or dark hallway or something, and somebody jumps out and screams in my face, I'm probably going to look angry. I may even hit them, and it's going to look angry. But what was I first? Scared. I was scared. If my child, you know, if I'm holding my child's hand through the parking lot, why am I holding their hand? because I'm afraid they may get hurt. If they wiggle away from me and run through the parking lot, I'm probably gonna look angry. But what was I? I was afraid. Yeah. I may feel hurt and I, and I lash out in anger. For myself, if I feel embarrassed, 
I'm gonna act angry. So it's really important to kind of get a gauge on where your anger comes from. Then I can address that thing to take care of my anger. It's really good. Can you do the illustration? You do it like so. I, I've I've been with Giles a, a few times, and you said the Brent's actually made me go to him, and I'm just kidding. But um, can you do the the brain, the anger? I love this illustration. Yeah. Okay. So if you hold your hand up and you put your thumb in the middle of your hand like this, and then wrap your fist and your fingers around it, don't ever hit anyone like that. It'll hurt really bad. But take the thumb out. Take the thumb you out. You're going to hit. That's just speaking of anger. <laughs> but, it, but in here, in here, this is this is a hand model of your brain. This is a cutout of your brain. Okay. And so right in here, this is this part right here is called your amygdala, and it's like your smoke alarm at your house, and it detects the possibility of danger. Okay. The possibility of danger. Now, like your smoke alarm at home, it doesn't really know the difference between real or perceived danger okay your smoke alarm at home will will alert you to cheese dripping in your oven or your attic on fire right it, it'll do both but that's what this is right here it tells you if you're safe or you're in danger now this part here this is the big part this is the adult part of the brain it doesn't stop developing until you're about 26 years old this is where your reasoning comes in. This is where your language is. It's where some of your empathy is. It's where understanding future consequences, all of that stuff is up here in the, in the big part of your brain. Now, when your smoke alarm is triggered, it's gonna do what we call flips your lid, all right? In other words, it makes the big part of your brain disengaged. So if I were to, if you were to wake up tonight and your smoke alarm is tripped at your house, you wake up and you're startled and you smell smoke, your goal is to get out, right? It triggers what we call the fight or flight response in your brain. If I were to stop you before you could get out of the house and begin to ask you questions about things like your insurance and your deductibles and what you had for dinner, you're not going to answer those questions, are you? That's because you don't have access to them. You, you have them, they're up there, but you don't have access to them. So when we get our, our smoke alarm triggered, our fight or flight response triggered, it's gonna affect how we do relationships with people, right? It's either gonna look like we're angry and lashing out or we're withdrawing from them. But if we can recognize, okay, wait, I'm not really in danger, I'm just hurt, I'm just sad, I'm just anxious, then we can put our lid back on and actually communicate and build community with that person even through difficult times. There's a bunch of questions here, so I'm just going to run through them. Um, so this one is, how do I keep from passing my mental health struggles to my kids? Oh, that's a really good one. If you look at the, um, I, and I love this, the, this idea, if you look at the, the articles and the research and, and the literature on the area of forgiveness, there's a, one of the steps of forgiveness is deciding to bear the load. Ooh. We're deciding we're going to bear the load rather than passing it on to the next generation. And I think there's something really, really powerful about that. So how do you do it? Well, it's a little more complicated. As, as we said before, I'm not really going to give you a, a, an exact how-to. But you may need to look at forgiveness of your past, make sense of your past. In fact, the research says that, that the number one 
indicator of our children's success is how well we make sense of our past, right? It's not what house they grow up in. It's not the economic situation they're in. It's how well does the parent make sense of their past. So if I'm not triggered by every little thing that happens, if I can help my kids work through their emotions because I've worked through mine, that's the best indicator of their, of their success. That's good. How do I support my spouse when their mental health issues don't make sense to me? That's a really good one, yeah. So empathy is a big word. Empathy does not mean that I agree with where you are. It means I understand where you are, okay? So if someone comes to me, if my wife comes to me and said, what you said hurt my feelings, I don't need to exactly understand or agree with the fact that what I said hurt her feelings. I just need to understand that her feelings are hurt, okay? And so if my spouse's mental health issues don't make sense to me, one, I could do some research. I could. I could, I could get online. Probably not the best way to do it. Maybe I go get my own counseling to know how to help that person or be in a relationship with that person. But my goal is to connect. My goal is to support. My goal is to be in relationship with them, not fix them. Understanding of it well, may help me fix it, but I don't necessarily need to do that. There's other ways to do that. I just need to be in a relationship with them. I want to jump in on that one too. And I mean, if you've been around Hillspring for a long time, you know our story several years ago when we were in a depression series, I talked about Jerry's struggle. Years ago, she was diagnosed with bipolar after having been sexually abused and the PTSD and then postpartum mixed in and all of this. And this was 16, 17 years ago, but through a lot. And so a lot of times, sometimes your body can get chemically imbalanced and, and things happen. And so it was actually a colleague of uh, Chris's that helped me, a guy named Bill Berman. And when that happens, when a person's body gets a little bit out of, out of balance, it's almost like an intoxication. It's not that they're drunk or whatever, but they kind of lose, if you will, the chemicals get imbalanced. And so it equates to uh, almost an intoxication, if you will. And so one of the phrases that Dr. Bill taught me to wrestle with that, just remember it's the beer talking. It's not Jerry. It was, it was the depression. And so if you are in relationship with or married to a spouse that really battles those ups and those downs and those ups and those downs, and, and here's the thing about it. Um, what Jerry and I discovered with her, she, like, we start to think I'm crazy, and nobody wants to be crazy, so I start to look for things to blame my depression on. I want to look for things to blame my unhappiness on, and so a lot of times it was me. And so... If you are married to a spouse, it's really important that you get self-care, that you realize, hey, this is not the person, it's not her, it's not him, it's, it's the intoxication, it's the beer talking, it's the imbalance that's going on, because all of a sudden, it starts to take personal. And if you look at the marriage statistics around mental health issues, very high divorce rate, bipolar marriages typically have like in the high 90s of divorce rate. And so you have to really hold to that for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer or for poor. And you just have to remember, listen, this person needs me in relationship. So it's very important that you get in a support group or you have a relationship. You have a safe person. Facebook ain't your person. But you have a person that you can go to and just say, man, listen, I'm just struggling today. I'm carrying all this. Scripture talks about bear one another's burdens up and have a relationship 
or a safe place that you can get care because what we want to do is we want to bear all that and take all that and it just gets heavy. Chris, I made a mess out of that. Clean that up a little bit. Well, so. it, it does get heavy. And it, if you think about a bucket, you know, if you think about a bucket of water, when you give care to someone, it takes a little bit of water out of that bucket every time, okay? Until eventually you're empty. But our, your goal is to, again, put your mask on, put more water in that bucket, figure out what it takes for you to, to, to re-energize so that you can be, you know, a, a support for folks. And let me say this when we're talking about the relationship, and I'm an old country boy, you know, and out on the farm we have crazy sayings. I'm going to teach you one. It's really important. Make hay while the sun is shining. You can't cut hay, you can't rake hay, and you can't bale hay when it's raining. It doesn't make good hay. But when the sun is shining, you go out and you be productive. In your relationship, there will be sunny days. In your relationship, there will be days where we're getting along well. And early on in Jerry and I's marriage, when she would be in a good place, we would have good conversations. Hey, I need you to communicate with me. Because sometimes I feel like it's my fault. Sometimes you're saying it's my fault. I will, I'll be honest with you. She did not remember some of the accusations, things that she said towards me. Again, it's that chemical imbalance. It's almost an intoxicated state. You got to make hay while the sun's shining. So when the relationship's good, you put water in that bucket. When the relationship's good, you learn how to communicate. Hey, I need a safe word. I need to know if you're just having a bad day or if you're really ticked off at me and so on and so forth. It's investing. When you got to take advantage of the good days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maddie? This is for both of you guys. How do you tell the difference between mental health struggles and spiritual attacks? Is there a difference? Well, I, I just, I'm not so sure it's important to know the difference. They kind of look, they look similar. And they, if you're having, if you're having some spiritual struggles, it's going to come across as a mental health issue. If you're going to, if you have a mental health issue, sometimes spiritual answers are there for you. So I, I don't, uh, th there are some folks who really try to distinguish those two. I'm not so sure it's that important to distinguish the two. So I'm about to stand up and you need to make me sit down in three minutes. Because this can turn into a little bit of a sermon. So, um, when we give our life to Christ, and I, I think sometimes this is a lie of the enemy, that when you get saved, it fixes everything. And then it, it doesn't. And some people get disenchanted with church or Christianity or Christians were rude to me or whatever. What, what salvation does is save you. And then God brings you a set of tools. He puts you in a body called the church. He gives you the word of God to help you begin to heal. But there's this expectation that when I get saved, I get fixed. And, and that's not necessarily emotionally or even physically true. Now, sometimes it's just, I'm going to use a big word, bad theology. You know what I'm saying? And we love to stir a room. And listen, God is a miracle working God and he can heal you. That was not my story. That was not Jerry's story. Jerry had to learn spiritual discipline of walking in those things, of living in margin and getting good things in me and living in relationship and so on and so forth, right? But there's some bad theology. Come down here and let the Lord heal you. And we start laying hands on people and casting out demons. And what that theology, yes, Jesus could instantly do it. And there were times Jesus instantly did it in Scripture. But there were also times where he walked away and he said, you know what, there were some people there that because of their faith or because of their unwillingness to step into the process, he couldn't work a lot of miracles. And so we shake, you need, come on, devil, get out of it. And, and so we blame a lot of our crazy on the devil. Listen, spiritual warfare is real. We're working on a series to talk about that. Demonic attacks are real. But he makes a very valid point 
man, if I will do the things Scripture tells me to do, if I will self-care, it really minimizes the space that the enemy can get in and create chaos in my life. Now, I do think the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's always looking for people who are weak targets. Just like the old analogy of when a lion goes to attack a flock of gazelle, it's always going to look for the weakest. So my challenge to you, don't be the weakest. Be the spiritual one. Make sure that you're getting God's word in your life daily and regularly. Make sure that you're a prayer warrior. Make sure you have spiritual, healthy relationships in your life. All of those things strengthen your faith, and they just make you a less of a target for spiritual warfare. That's good. A lot of questions on this one, and so I'm just going to um, <clears throat> kind of grab one and deal with it from there. Um, hey, I did it in three minutes. <laughs> Just pick a question. I'm going to ask this question. This is asked a thousand different ways, though. If I'm suicidal, does that make me a faithless Christian? Yeah, we addressed this last last service as well. The answer is no. It does not make you a faithless Christian. There's 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 uh, examples in Scripture where, uh, you know, Elijah is is my favorite example. Elijah called down fire from heaven and then had a had a situation where Jezebel. You know, said, I'm going to kill you. And he goes out and says, I think I'm done. You know, take me now, God. I'm, I'm ready to die. And, man, God didn't lecture him on his faith. And God didn't, you know, chastise him for anything. He said, hey, here, I'm going to cause this, this tree to grow over you. Take a nap. Take a nap. You feel bad? Take a nap. And then he woke him up and he gave him food. And he said, take another nap. And he woke him up and he gave him some more food. And then said, go out and find this person. Right, he went out and found, found Elisha. So it doesn't make you a faithless Christian. It means you're hurting. There's something there. It's, you don't have to fix it right away. You just don't need to act on it. Please don't act on it. There's, it it's telling you something. You have a need in your life, and there's somebody there that can help you meet that need. And I want to be clear what Chris just said. Napping and eating are self-care. It's really right. important parts of life, That's right? exactly right. I'm about to break into worship. We're about to start yelling again. <laughs> um, I want to speak to that for a second um, because that one is a very personal uh, struggle of mine. A couple weeks ago, we started the series on grief, or started the series on me, myself, and mine, and mine, my topic was grief. And I talked a little bit about how every day I have a little bottle and I have to take this pill every day to kind of stabilize my mood, stabilize the way I think, stabilize how my, you know, I can be up and down a lot. And Cassie and I's first year of marriage has been incredible. It's been great, but there's been some real dark places in there as well. Um, because suicidal thoughts are a very big um, struggle of mine. I've had for years and years and years um, struggled with this. Um, it comes out of nowhere a lot of times, driving down the road and just you should finish, you should end it. That's a lot of those questions. There are a lot of those thoughts in my mind. And like, what's scary is a lot of times I can really reason out why I should. Um, and he's prayed for me, Pastor Joe. We've, I mean, the, our community, our small group, they've they've prayed for me. But for years and years, I've struggled with this. And actually, I remember a time in eleventh grade, and that's why my heart goes out to teenagers so much in this situation. Is eleventh grade? I remember sitting there, and I was just in a bad place and just in a bad spot. And I remember he called me. And because I think he had heard, he called me, and I just, I don't remember much from that conversation. I just remember him saying, please don't. 
and I don't know what it was in that, in that moment, but in, that was where some things shifted. Now, let me tell you, I still struggle, but that phrase, please don't, has stuck with me. And, and so teenagers in this room, and, and it's not just teenagers, it's adults, it's people who are successful in life, it's people who are down in the dumps. Please don't. We need you. And God needs you here. And this family is not complete without you. And be, like, like the words from a brother, I hope you hear today that maybe you're on the verge. Please don't. Please keep moving. Please keep going. Your life is going to get better. You're not always where you're going to be at. God has a future and a destiny for you. And I'm really glad you didn't because um, look at what God has done in you and through you. And so the Bible says that the thief comes to kill and destroy and so even for me today I mean I've got a kid that was in my youth ministry that battled massive depression and God uses him on a daily basis to change a community and change the next generation but even this morning worship for me was very powerful because my wife who was here on stage and my son who was here leading worship and and one of our most watched sermons was a couple years ago when I unpacked Jerry's depression even to the point where she was suicidal and the enemy is trying to tell you lies. And the enemy does come to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to steal you for destiny. He wants to kill your soul. And here's the thing. I think the reason why he does is because there's so much power and destiny on the other side. If you can just get through the night, joy comes in the morning. Purpose comes in the morning. And destiny comes in the morning, right? And so for me, I'm so grateful my wife was willing to fight through all of those challenges because she would have missed the opportunity to lead worship with her own son. And so listen, when you're struggling with that, just know that God has purpose, plan, and destiny. Please don't. Please don't because the kingdom, the family needs you. My life is complete because this guy was able to push through the night. Yeah. Hey, can I, can I piggyback on something sure. there? Sure. Something Matt said too. And this may answer some questions. When we're hurting, we try so hard. Or when our kids are hurting, we try so hard to make it go away. But I want you to think about the, the subject of pain. So many of us think that pain is a bad thing. But think about what would happen if we didn't have pain. If I go too close to a flame and it begins to hurt, what is it telling me? I'm too close to the flame. It's telling me something. It's sending some kind of message. Man, mental pain and emotional pain are no different. So I want you to think about a, a phrase here for just a second, and that's biopsychosocial spiritual. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I think I just passed out. <laughs> if I'm listen, if I'm in, if I'm not feeling good, maybe I'm feeling suicidal. Maybe my emotions are up and down, and I'm feeling my my I got real big feels. I want you to think about those four areas. It may be telling me something about one of those four areas. My biology. I may have some chemicals that are right. off that are causing me to do things that don't look like they make any sense, okay? And so I need to address the biology. It may be medicine, it may be exercise, it may be vitamins, it may be, we don't know, but, but biology may be off, okay? Um, the psycho, <laughs> that's not psycho like the movie, it's, it's psychology, our thoughts. We may be believing some faulty, um, we may have some faulty ideas about ourselves and the world around us, and we need, to, we need to check in with people and, hey, I'm thinking this. Is that right? And help me with this, right? So our, our thoughts. And then the social. Am I in relationships with people? Am I in relationships with the right people? Are they uplifting me? I can't be isolated. One of the worst parts of this COVID thing has been the isolation. 
and the isolation has driven so much of the anxiety and the depression that we're seeing, particularly in young people, right? We, we told them, don't go back to school and don't play sports and all this stuff. But what we've seen is about a 30 to 50% increase yeah. in new cases of anxiety and depression simply because of isolation, okay? And then the spiritual, as we talked about before, maybe I've got some bad theology that tells me God doesn't care about me when I feel bad, when I'm suicidal or when I'm depressed, it's because I don't have faith enough. I'm failing God. Bad theology, folks. That's, and so we need, to, we need to get with somebody who can help us figure that, that uh, better theology out. Okay? So biopsychosocial, spiritual, if we're feeling bad, it may be telling us something's off. We don't want to just get rid of it. I want to walk into, let, just for the sake of time, though, I think this, because of what happened in Stillwater last week, this suicidal thing, if I'm a parent and I have a child that comes in angry one day holding their breath, I hate you, I'm going to kill myself. How do I know if that's real or trying to manipulate the situation? And, and as I said in the earlier service, I, I don't want you to make that call right now. Again, the, if, some, if a child, particularly if anybody, comes in and says, I'm going to hurt myself, it may be that they're trying to get your attention, but then you have to, you want to ask why. Why, did, why are they trying to get my attention? Right? Maybe they need something. Most likely they need something. They're not able to, to communicate the need, but we want to find the need. So even if they are being manipulative, there's a need behind the manipulation. And let's get in relationship with them. Let's get in community with them so that we can figure out what that need may be. So how do I know when to, to take that to the next level? Because this is, a, and you take every threat serious, right? But then how do I know when, okay, it's time to call the police, it's time to get you to a facility? I mean, talk just a little bit. Yeah, so if, if that thought and that and is persistent for this, for this person, whoever you're in a relationship with, if the thought is persistent and it's intense, then, then we go, right? We, we call somebody, we call cops, we call the police, or we just get in the car and say, hey, we're going. We're going to Parkside, we're going to the hospital because I'm afraid for you and I need to keep you safe. Copes is a great resource. Copes is a great Talk resource. Just a little bit how, I mean, I know you can Google it, C-O-P-E-S, yep. but there's phone numbers as well. Yep, there's phone number. I should have looked it up. You can find remember. it. I mean, you, don't, you, you can find get it on, it on Google. Right. Cope, Copes is the is kind of the Tulsa County um, crisis management team, the, the psych psychological management team. So if someone's suicidal or in danger in some way, you can call them. They'll send someone out and do an assessment. I think during the time of COVID right now, they may be doing some of this over the phone but they'll at least give you resources. Absolutely. Chris, tell us what, like share with us what you know. I mean, whether it's a podcast or whether it's books and resources and things to just kind of speak, I mean, just kind of help us with some of this stuff. Yeah, so one of the resources that my wife has introduced me to that's a really powerful resource, a podcast that I misnamed at the first service, and I apologize for that. It's called The Place We Find Ourselves. Um, it's a podcast about really about attachment, about relationship and how important being in a relationship with people is. Um, so that's a really good one, the place we find ourselves. And then a really good workbook is, uh, it's called Learning to Tell Myself the Truth. Again, it's not just reading, it's, it's an actual workbook. They'll, he teaches you some things and then has you, has you journal and, and write some things down to, to identify where maybe some of your thoughts are off a little bit. Uh, Boundaries is another really great resource. John Townsend and Henry Cloud. 
So those are those are three really good resources. I would also say this: we're such a instant culture. We want quick fixes. Just give me a pill. Let me get back to go to my life. I'm gonna go to one session of counseling. You're gonna give me some magic phrases. It's gonna make everything happen. And that just that's just not how this works. You didn't get here overnight. And honestly, there's no quick fix. And honestly, the best fixes are the ones we are willing to roll up our sleeves and dig ourselves out of. I mean, think about the stronger athletes. They're the ones that, not, not the meds, right? Not the illegal stuff. It's the ones that trained and worked and trained and worked. And the same thing goes for our spiritual health, our mental health, and our emotions is there, there's no silver bullets. There's no quick fixes. What we wanted to do today, number one, you're not alone. You're not alone. He said it earlier. Like I could go, we're all overwhelmed in some way, shape, form, or fashion because what we're living is a lot. Number two, we wanted to speak hope. There are resources, counselors on the handout we gave you today. There's their information at Christian Family Institute. His email address is there if you have a question or how do you connect. And, and maybe for some of you, that you don't quite need that. Because you give, because you tithe, we have a staff of incredible pastors that are here to be your pastor, to shepherd you through some of that. And so maybe your first step is to schedule kind of a pastoral care visit and come in and visit with me or visit with Matt or Will or Joe or John or whatever, and we can kind of help, help you determine what that next step might be. I, the, we didn't get here overnight. There's no quick fixes. So I want to... I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.